Listening is a huge contributor to trust. The ability for someone to trust you, I think, really stems from your willingness to listen to them. And yes. by that listening, it's almost like you're 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 saying it's okay to be close. You know, it's okay to share. And um, how many people do we know are really great listeners? Hello, everyone. It's Nathan Freeberg. And today on the Leadership Vision Podcast, we bring you the second part of a fascinating two-episode series, which originally aired as just one episode on the Access Ideas Podcast. Now, you can find the link to that in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to the first episode or find Access Ideas if you haven't already done that. But by just a quick way to set things up here, we had the pleasure of being interviewed by Yana Stam, the host of Access Ideas, for a thought-provoking dialogue about the the nuances of leadership, the dynamics of communication, the intricate nature of trust, some great reflections on strength, and a plethora of other things. It was a little bit wide-ranging, but it was a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. Now, the Access Ideas podcast explores culture, psychology, well-being, and even leadership through expert interviews and discussions. That show offers deep insights that I think you're going to really find valuable. Yana's a great interviewer, and we enjoyed being on the other end of the podcast recording process. She just asked some great questions and was really well prepared. And like I said, you can go back and listen to that entire episode on her podcast, uh, wherever you find your podcast. But in this episode today, what I've done is I've edited the second part of this to dive into the realm of effective communication, the significance of trust, both in leadership and in our personal lives, and also the art of relationship building and team dynamics. Brian and Dr. Linda Schubring shed some light on how listening shapes trust and forms a cornerstone of meaningful connections. I think we all know this, but it's a helpful reminder. And Linda articulates that it's about giving value shout outs and recognizing the lived values in others, encapsulating kind of the essence of appreciative leadership styles. We also explore the intricate balance between autonomy and accountability with teams. That's a hugely important thing. Brian talks about how autonomy and accountability foster a healthy, productive work environment, but you need both of those things. And this conversation you're about to hear today, it really segues into the delicate art of creating challenges and difficulties in team settings. You want to aim to push boundaries while also maintaining a supportive atmosphere. You want to give people things that are just just barely within or just barely beyond their reach to help them grow, but you don't want them to fail. We also bring an additional layer to a discussion, emphasizing the continuous journey, the ongoing, the unending journey, maybe, of self-reflection and growth in leadership. We really encourage you to consider how do your strengths serve you and when might they need calibration? We also talk about strengths breaking, how sometimes that's something we do intentional, sometimes that's not, uh, that I really think you're going to get a lot of value out of that part specifically. Now, stay tuned as we unravel these themes, fostering a space for learning and growth right here on the Leadership Vision Podcast. You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, our show helping you build positive team culture. Our consulting firm has been doing this for the past 25 years so that people are mentally engaged and emotionally healthy. All right, now on to the episode. Yeah, I'm curious, your day job is a communications manager. Yes. Uh, which I imagine involves just as much, if not more, listening than communicating Definitely. <laughs> uh, to make sure that <laughs> message is clear. So how have you experienced some of these things in your leadership and in your role and, and what you do? 
Well, it was really interesting what you were mentioning, Linda, about telling our stories and listening to ourselves, because it reminded me of something that Nathan had said on one of your episodes about ideation and how every time you tell a story, you're making sense of it a little bit better. And this is what I do. And, you know, one of my strengths in the Clifton Strengths is is ideation. So no surprise. Um, But (laughs) I notice that when I talk to different friends or family members and I tell them a story, I'm contextualizing, of course, because I'm thinking about who that person is, what will they care about, what will be poignant or funny to them. And then I come away from it and I think, oh, I'm not really upset about, you know, this incident. And and maybe I started out being upset. Now I kind of see it in more of a humorous light or I might see it in um, with more insight. Hmm. So in my role, when I'm developing communications, so often what I'm listening for is not necessarily the directive, like write this communication about this topic. It's what are the values underlining that communication? How is that leader establishing trust or building a connection with their team? Even if they are overseeing thousands of people that they'll never get to meet personally, what can we use in terms of language and tone and style that is going to facilitate a connection? And that's where I think, you know, the stereotypes of, you know, so much of communication is body language. It's nonverbal. It's it's not written. Um, but when we're limited to that, when we're limited to verbal or written communication, we have to think so carefully about what we're going to include and what we're going to give weight to. Um, so I absolutely uh, think about that every day. And going back to the listening as a superpower idea, it is fundamental for establishing trust because so often people just want to say their story and they don't get the chance. And especially when you get to people who are harried or just so overrun and they just, they literally don't have time to think, giving them space to speak, it can make the difference between them understanding what they want and working through a problem versus giving me something that is sort of a half-baked idea and then hoping that I'm going to solve it. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. often in communications, it's like, I don't know what to do, but can you just make something up? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so the listening piece is, is sometimes more of active in facilitating that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that too with the clients that you work with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every day. Yeah, um, that's, that is overwhelmingly true because I got spun up in <laughs> how you're describing that and all the examples I have because... <laughs> What I'm hearing is, you know, the, the patience to listen to someone explain. And the, the more they, they talk, the more they express themselves, the more you're picking up. I believe that what you're demonstrating in your listening is the more capacity that you have to hear, the more you're going to learn. Because sometimes leaders are listening for one specific thing when they're listening to someone communicate and they're waiting for that one thing to be said so they can go on to the next thing and they aren't really hearing what the other person is saying. And like you're saying, Yana, if a person truly is working it out as they're speaking, you know, it is incumbent upon the listener to let them run with it until they figure it out and, and to not be you know, judgmental or too much bias in the process. And I'm just wondering in your work, if, if you notice when people start to spin, like we've, they've said it, now they're saying it a different way and they're saying it louder or more intense, or they might use the same example with more arm motions (laughs) (laughs) with more. And, and so for us, when, when we're hearing and really trying to listen to someone and we see some of the patterns, 
we'll we'll just call a timeout and yeah. we'll just say, um, do you know that you said this five times? Did mm-hmm. you know that? And we just hold a mirror. Yep. Hold a mirror by way of either this is really important or you're just trying to work it out. <clears throat> now, sometimes people will say, oh, I'm a verbal processor. So thank you for giving me just a chance to to get it out because maybe it's not a big deal at all. So hearing you repeat back to me what I what I said, realize, you know, makes me realize that I that it isn't that big a, a deal. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where like I don't even know that I said it a bunch of times. I thought I would I just said it once. Um so But what Linda is talking about is just a lot of those individual skills that leaders can pick up to know how they listen best. Mm-hmm. Um, because for Linda and I, since this is such a big part of our, our business is having these conversations where we don't really do any of the talking. Um, it's how do we listen and to really embrace what it is that we're looking for, listening for that provides the best environment for a conversation to learn about somebody else. And I believe that every leader is different in what it is that they're listening for how they're listening. And I think it's really well worth someone's time to pay attention to some of those instincts that they have in how they, they listen. Yeah. And maybe you can pivot to the next topic based on that, that idea of intentionally building relationships with your instincts and, and what you're picking up on. This is the second piece in building trust within teams and groups. Can you expand on that a little bit based on what you've said? We'll be right back. At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively. And with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com slash community to learn more. People instinctively build and lead teams the way they want to build and lead teams. And that's individual focused Mm -hmm. compared to leaders that build teams based on the needs of the individuals on the team. That takes longer. (laughs) (laughs) Way longer. But to, you know, not to the fault of the leader, but, but like attracts like. So a leader is going to lead towards that which is known, and they usually start that way, and then they bring us in when it breaks down. Um, Because once they begin to lead, they begin to see really how different, distinct, and unique a group is, and that's when a leader typically finds out, I'm not sure what I'm doing now. Like I've, I've never led a team that is this diverse. I've never led a team that is this dissimilar than me. And the longer you lead, the more you're going to realize um, how different people's perspectives are, don't al- align with you. Their work experiences don't align with the leader. Their cultural experiences don't align with the leader. And these will all then become roadblocks. And so how is it that we can really start uh, by understanding what are our unique attributes that we're looking for, that we're trying to lead with, and then ask ourselves, what does this team need? And more than likely, it may, they may need you to ask for help. Mm, that's good. 
A tip and trick that we learned from one leader was to take a learning posture with your team. Ask each team member to teach you something. Give them the power. Give them the power. Give them the the teacher status, the leader status to enlighten you. Now, as as a follower, sometimes it's like, well, I thought you would need to know what to do. Um, but leaders listen, but they also learn and they teach and they're, the learning is definitely ongoing. And so I really liked, I liked that adaptation mm. and opportunities. So Linda, yeah. Is part of that having the chance to be on the receiving end and seeing what somebody's teaching style is like, and then understanding, aha, this is how this person learns. And then yes. maybe that's how I need to work with them. Yeah. So serious. Yeah. So secretly, it's really complex. <laughs> and so, but allowing someone to demonstrate their teaching style, demonstrate their learning style, demonstrate um, how direct they are or how they wind around and tell you some emotional stories and grab your heartstrings and uh, make you cry or whatever it is. I, I think there there's this opportunity for uh, a leader to engender some trust to that I, I trust you and I trust that you have a voice. I trust that you are part of this team because you have value to bring to the table. And uh, yeah, leaders can get some insight on, oh, this is what this person needs. Uh, the other person, they're not going to need that. They're not going to need me to walk around with them. Um they can just it's also it's also a point of vulnerability, right? Yeah, because if you're vulnerable. if you're learning something and you genuinely don't know how to do it and you're the leader and you're asking your team to teach you, you're putting yourself in the in their position essentially and saying, "Hey, I'm trusting you to teach me this." Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so good. And yeah. there are so many different ways that we invite leaders to ask these types of prompts. And some of these prompts are, you know, to ask so instead of saying, "Can you teach me?" Um, it's asking someone, uh, tell me a story about your best experience on a team. Um, to kind of let them unpack that, uh, share with me a, a time when, when you loved working with a, a, a leader, what was that leader? Like, who was it? What, how old were you? Um, when did you feel like you were a, a chief contributor to a team? You know, just like these kind of invitational prompts that allow people to tell a story when they were at their best, when they felt belonging on, on, on a team, they felt productive because in their story, in their response, you can learn a lot about what they're expecting uh, from a quote unquote good leader or a great team experience. And we ask that question a lot um, about the sharing of uh, team experience where you felt like you were partnered well with someone, where, where you had a significant contribution to a positive outcome, where you were led well by someone. Share those stories with us. You see people's faces light up and they get all excited to share. And that's where the learning happens. It's like, oh, I had no idea that you wanted to partner with someone who didn't think like you. You know, like these are all <laughs> learnings that happen in, in our conversations. And we've had, we've had leaders say like, I just think that he doesn't know how to be led. You know, they're, they're complaining a little bit about uh, someone on their team. And when you, you know, when we're asking questions to the whole group of, well, oh, you were coached? Well, what did that look like? Mm -hmm. You were in professional sports? Okay. Well, then how, you know, how can we learn from that? And we realized there were components of how this person liked to be led that mm -hmm. just needed a surface in conversation yep. and all the different tricks that this leader was trying. Yeah, they weren't working. Mm -hmm. um, so meeting that person where they're at and yep. taking some tips from from a successful coach that really helped this gentleman along. 
Another ex- um, in, uh, experience we had was um, learning that 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 there was a team leader that was frustrated with the team member because they seemed bored. And so when we had a conversation with that bored team member, we realized that they had graduated with honors, that education came really easy, and that they were abundantly smart, and they just weren't being challenged. And and so the affect was, you know, I'm just not learning at a level. And when the leader found that out, the leader's response was, well, we can work with that, <laughs> you know, but no one knew that this person has had this natural inclination just to be smart and they wanted and, more to learn and and maybe someone would hesitate to admit that because they don't yep. want to sound arrogant like Ab- absolutely. I'm, I'm too i'm too good Correct. or something yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. and maybe we can take a little bit of a tangent here because we're bordering on something i find fascinating that you've brought up in a previous episode of your podcast a big piece of the work that you do is about building on your strengths. So you you work with Clifton strengths, um, understanding those, and then learning how to build on those. But something that was quite intriguing that came up was the idea of actually breaking strengths so that we can rebuild skills. I just love this. I think it's such a cool idea. Um, when I heard it at first, I thought, well, of course, we get confident in our strengths once we've learned how to build on them. And we're just gliding along very smoothly and we can... We can stop some of the reflection that we might have done. Um, so let's talk a little bit about breaking strengths. And then what is the advantage of that? Because on the surface, it seems like, well, why would you want to do that? Like a, you're, you're sabotaging yourself. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, and I want to distinguish between when our strengths get broken by ah. circumstances, by becoming a parent, by going off to school, <laughs> yes. by moving to a new space, by... COVID. You know, COVID. Surviving a pandemic. Um, so, so there are, there are, there's breaking that happens to you. Mm-hmm. And the example I think in that is, and she'd love this, but I'm going to put her on the spot. Um, our daughter during COVID, uh, asked when we were trying to shelter in She's place. She's 23, by the way. And she was, <laughs> you know, 20 at the time. And we were sheltering in place. And she's like, why are you mad? I was like, I'm not mad. We just, we need to protect lives and grandparents and whatever. And you can't have a sleepover at our house. Well, no. <laughs> and, um, and her, because she has an awareness and traffics in the, the language of strengths, she just said like, well, which of my strengths are off? And I remember just feeling such compassion. So it wasn't a teachable moment. Like, well, what do you think? What, what strengths do you think are off? I was like, all of them, like they're all off right now. The circumstances are just such that you can't really operate in the fullness of your strengths because your context is limiting you more than, than what you're, what you're used to. So there's, there's ways that strengths are broken that are, have nothing to do with us. Great learning opportunity. Uh, and she's thriving. So it's, it's all good. Fast forward. The, the other part is, um, uh, when you breaking them on purpose and you're trying to bust out of the mold a little bit about what people come to expect. Oh, Linda, I know you'll be adaptable and we'll be able to do this, this, and this. And like, yeah, but I'm, I'm driven by deadlines more. Or if I have an opportunity to reintroduce myself to you, I would say that some of the ways that my strengths pair together and show up have really shifted um, because of the different contexts I find myself in. And so every once in a while, like you're saying, it's taking stock and saying, okay, I'm not going to break it, but I'm going to spin it around and realize 
oh yeah, this strength is actually sucking the life out of people. This strength <laughs> is not helpful anymore. It is, there's a degenerative application that I've been using, but I'm, but I'm trying to be successful. And I spin back to, okay, how do I give, make this strength life-giving to me and life-giving to other people? And so starting with that goal in mind, I'm not just going to break it to break it, um, but starting with the goal in mind, I want to turn the application of my strengths to more life-giving, both for myself and for, and for others. The metaphor emerged out of my ongoing frustration of people's belief that strengths are just always strengths. And I just fundamentally didn't believe that that's true. Like, like that there was no, no point at which a, a strength could become fractured or break. And when I would watch people like just get to the point of, of overuse of certain areas of just who they are. And yes, you, there's a neurochemical response happening and you love the, the euphoria that you're getting from being in those moments of flow. But at some point, you may push it too far. And then people will use language like, well, that's my strength or whatever, or I'm just being and they'll name their, their, their strengths and they're, then they're placing their responsibilities somewhere else and not hmm. on themselves. And just knowing human behavior, you know, overuse of anything, it's going to cause something to snap. And so just this idea of strengths can break has become a, a point of just drawing someone's attention to calibration overuse do i need to take a break do others need a break from you um and that's that's part of, of of the idea swing to the other side and i think that there are are moments where um leaders can gently guide someone towards a breaking to relearn just like a bone you know like when yeah. the surgeon says this is gonna hurt but i gotta re-break this thing like they know and i think that there are and we were just talking to a, an executive just the other week about this very process of how this person might have to lead someone to the point where they're just at that moment and then that's where the teaching happens and sometimes it is painful like a break, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think one of my favorite expressions is from Debbie Ford. She wrote a book back in the 90s called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And there's a phrase that a our weaknesses title. are our strengths turned up too loud. Yeah. And it's it's just a matter of recalibrating or turning down the volume. And when I remember, I, I think I must have read that at just the right time to to take mm. that in because... I mean, this is not new information, but I just loved that um, that expression um, to be able to understand that your strengths can hurt you. Your strengths can become brittle. They can be inappropriate mm, for the situation. Um, they're not always perfectly adaptive. And, and it's up to us to have the insight and the reflection um, and even the relationships around us where we have people who can say, hey, I know you're really good at making decisions and like getting out and doing stuff, but this situation calls for some reflection and, and some, you know, sitting in place and, and thinking about what we're going to do or conversely, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who's, who's hesitating, they think, no, this, the situation is going to call you to, to act. Um, that's so important, but it's interesting to hear about these executive examples. And, you know, we, we all have to keep learning these lessons. Essentially it's, it's, it never goes away. <laughs> 
Yeah. I love, I love the quote you shared. I loved the sentiments you just shared because it reminds me when, when people say, I want to unlock all of my 34 strengths because I want to know what the bottom are. I'm like, okay. And, and we will often say your, I can tell you your five weaknesses right away. They are the same as your top five. They're just (laughs) sucking the life out of you. Because you traffic in them so well, right? You can lose track of time and start to realize I've hurt lots of people in this. And so how do we turn those top five, those weaknesses, as Debbie Ford was saying, um, and, and, and adjust the volume where I, it needs to be turned up in this scenario, but turned down in that one when you're building relationships or getting work done. And, and when people start to realize that, then they, it's like, you don't even know what 29 to 34 even, you, you probably can't even understand it or get your mind around it. So don't spend your time there. Spend your time turning those ways that your your top five sucks the life out of you um, and turn it into an opportunity to, you know, invest in the good, to really serve people and to serve yourself. I also think, Jimmy, just to piggyback on that, but that idea of uh, breaking to build back you know, stronger, like, you know, maybe a weightlifter or an athlete of any kind, I think too often in the strengths community, if we can say that there's this idea of this is my strength. And that's like what you're saying, Brian, it's always great. And it's, you know, as high as it can be. But I think that we need this constant feedback loop, constantly be thinking about I have ideation as well. So, uh, you know, how's my ideation being helpful in this scenario? or not helpful, and then Mm -hmm. how should I maybe tweak it or be more aware of it for the next time? So maybe it broke a little bit here in this meeting, but now I'm aware of that, and so the next time I'm gonna try to do it differently or do it this way. And, you know, I think there's a lot of like self-compassion that needs to happen in this mm-hmm. in this process when things break and go down and say, okay, I'm I'm learning, you know, baby steps and how do you continue to have that open feedback loop, not only with yourself, but then, you know, hopefully there's people around you um, who you can get some feedback and say, it kind of felt like my input in that meeting was off. What was mm-hmm. what was going on there? So um, back to sort of the beginning of this conversation of like, how do you trust in yourself enough to be okay fumbling around a little bit so that you can, you know, if things do break or, you know, like if you go on a really long run one day, your legs are a little bit sore. So you got to take a rest and come back and then do it again, get stronger for the next time. So it's all just a big process. I will own something here. I love um, what Linda was saying about your top five strengths also being your weaknesses. And as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, I know what I've been doing wrong lately reading way too much news because one of my top strengths is learning and partly what I do when the world seems especially chaotic is I just think, Oh, I'm just going to get more sources of news and then I'll be able to contextualize it. And then I'll feel like I have enough. Like I can all make sense. Finally it'll make sense. Yeah. Right. But of course it doesn't. And it just gets worse. And the news is written to upset us and, you know, keep us awake. So this has been really bothering me lately in what, <laughs> what Linda just said, I thought, oh, I know what I've been doing. Uh, that, See? There you thank go. you. So thank Project. you, Linda, for that uh, great little Problem therapy solved. there. Hmm. You, you are welcome. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's in these conversations, even just talking about it, that you start to to build the connections like, oh, that's what it is. But I'm curious and I like to learn and it's fun for me to do that, but not when, you know, the the information is, you know, winding me up or 
Mm. Or when it starts to feel compulsive yeah. and you can recognize that yeah. I'm not yeah. liking this part of myself, but I can't seem to stop. Why mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, good. For, yeah, yeah. That's, we've all been there. Part of that um, learning was in your reflection, yeah. not in the repetition. And part of what we're working with people when it comes time, like when they feel like things are, are breaking, it's a, a breaking because of overuse or repetition, which then causes time for reflection to then restore that sense of equilibrium. So you can then re-engage. That captures it perfectly. Yeah. It, t- it took me a few weeks to figure out what I was doing because I couldn't connect the dots. I just thought, mm. I feel compelled to keep reading all these news sources and yeah. I don't usually do this. Why can't I stop? But at the same time, I took actually a few people saying to me, you know, maybe step back from the news a bit. It's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. You're not any less informed. Um, but let's go on to a- another uh, important aspect of building trust within teams, and that's giving individual autonomy. You know, there's always this give and take on teams with how do I myself show up for myself on the team um, and if I'm a leader and we all have a capacity to lead, if we've, as we've already uh, mentioned, how do I give the trust and individual autonomy to my colleagues or my direct reports? Let's, let's talk about that. That's a tricky one <laughs> because many people ask for autonomy and they don't know what they're asking for. Autonomy without definition is quite dangerous. Um, which can lead to you know people being get, just just getting lost or losing focus. So then that was that's exactly where I was going to. Maybe it's because some of the people that we've met with lately. But sometimes autonomy, and I would say without accountability or responsibility, just is like they're doing whatever they want. So do we have some agreements about where we want to head? Do we have the goal so that you can be accountable to get here, but you can decide which steps you want to take or just check in with me at this specific, specific milestone. And so we find that people thrive when a lot of people thrive when they can act, you know, and have not be micromanaged and, and just be trusted to get to the next, um, you know, mile marker. But, um, it doesn't always, if there's, if there's not accountability, there's usually frustration. And with that mm-hmm. client that Linda is referring to, there was this language around autonomy and accountability, responsibility and relationships. And we talked about those mm-hmm. four elements that there's, there's somewhat of a math and, and the distinction of that math is determined by culture, but autonomy with accountability, relationships and responsibility. Like what's that unique equation there for people to truly have the autonomy that they're asking for? Many people are asking for autonomy in relationship and not autonomy in independence. And they they get that confused. That's interesting. And they don't realize it. They have to. No, they don't. Yep. Because once they have the independence, like if they're granted the independence, they quickly realize that they're alone and that's not what they wanted. Hmm. They want autonomy in relationship and not autonomy in isolation. Is there a good question that you can ask to help people make that like distinction for themselves so they don't have to learn the hard way? Yeah. Do you feel lost? (laughs) 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 Well, cut right to the chase. (laughs) Well, I have that tendency. Um, but I've, I've asked a question like that a lot and it's, it sounds like this. Do you feel alone? 
or who's with you? Did you talk with anyone else around that? There's a lot of ways I ask the question, are you alone? Because when people feel that sense of isolation, um, like sometimes they've asked for it, but they didn't mean by myself. You know, they, they meant in connection with, or I have access to. And so one of the ways that I ask those questions in coaching sessions is who else is with you? Um, have you talked to anyone else about this? How long have you felt this way? When was the last time you checked in with whoever they were checking in with? When was the last time you were texting, you know, your good buddy at work? Um, so there's like all these other questions where I can really get a sense of their autonomy has led them to be alone and not in critical connection with the people that they care the most about. It uh, makes me think of a, a leader that wanted the freedom to just, you know, tell his team, this is where we're going, just however you were, however you get there. But then as he was kind of recounting who was doing what, it was like, but I wouldn't have done it that way. This, this, mm -hmm. this, but I would have done it that way. And, mm -hmm. or I would have done it that way. And sometimes it was win, sometimes it was lose. But I felt like, wow, a little judgment in there. Um, and maybe he was just trying to, be open or just name it with, you know, some people that he felt safe with. Uh, but there was also, oh man, this is, um, I might just lose them all. Um, or he could win completely win them over. There's many people that just don't want to be told what to do. They've been micromanaged before. They've always felt like their thumb mm -hmm. is on them and they, they're not free to, to be who they are, to think who they are, when they hear that, you know, there's certain deadlines or, uh, we're driving to this completion, it's like, just trust them to get there. Right. And maybe we can pivot then to the next piece. Cause I think this segues nicely, the idea of creating challenge and difficulty, because again, this is subjective. This is open to interpretation. Maybe that leader thought I'm giving autonomy. Therefore people will rise to the challenge with their strengths and skills. But this leader might not have recognized that it would feel threatening on some level or that it would feel scary maybe like, oh, I'm I'm not really in control like I thought I was. So maybe we can talk a little bit about this balance because creating challenge and difficulty is is this really finely tuned dance, I feel like. It's very easy to get out of step and and lose your balance um, if things are pushed too far. But to your earlier point, you don't want it to be so easy that the person is bored and feeling underdeveloped or under challenged. Um, so maybe let's, let's go into a little detail there. Are there any examples or guidance you want to share? The first thing that comes to mind is that the teams that we've worked with that know how to navigate conflict well. So that could be in creating challenge and difficulty. Um, but the, the teams that know how to navigate conflict well, and they don't make it personal, and they're in conflict maybe with ideas or perspectives, usually that that leads to some sort of innovative breakthrough, where the team now is, you know, the floodgates open, and they can go even, even faster. Where so, so even for some leaders to say, Hey, we're going to think about how to create challenge and difficulty. Like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. But we find how do you create conflict, um, and orchestrate the conflict? Well, to use a Heifetz and Linsky phrase, how do you or orchestrate the, the conflict in order to give people a sense of safety, but an opportunity to lean into something new and to realize like, I'm going to have to let go of some things here. I am going to have to broaden some of my thinking. So my first thought is it's usually 
what is that team's comfort level with conflict? And I turned around because one of the resources that, that, that we use is rebel talent. Uh, cause Francesco Gino, um, coined a term called constructive conflict. And so it's this, it's this idea that the challenge as you, as you're referencing, um, is part of the developmental process or, or the, the challenge is a strategy to create more cohesion among the team. The challenge is just beyond the fingertips of the people's capacity so that it's a moment of learning and relying on each other and overcoming diversity and limiting bias. So it's all these things, but it's well thought through. And I, and, and we have found that there are leaders that have identified the challenge that they believe they're calling their team to, but the challenge was far beyond the reach of the team. And they had them break that down into several steps. It may have taken them longer to get there. They didn't lose sight of what the goal was, um, but they got there in a different way than what they actually thought. There are other leaders that we work with that um, I'm going to use this phrase. They're much more embedded within the team so that the challenges are just a stone's throw away from capacity and that people can still see it. They can still lock in on it. They can still make progress. And those leaders are checking in with regularity. Those leaders are asking people if they need help. Those leaders are providing the necessary resources. Those leaders are actually listening uh, to people when they're complaining and figuring out what's really going on here. So there's that constant dialogue. It's as if the leader is running with the pack instead of watching the pack run from the side. Mm-hmm. It's a different, it's just a different way of achieving challenge together. And it's just two different leadership styles. Hmm. And do you think do you feel one is more effective than the other? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's clear that running with the pack is is the way to go. What I find is, and we use this with another client of ours. Their executive leadership team was struggling with something, and and I just asked this question to them: Is what type of pacing do your people need right now? Mm-hmm. Do they need a pace setter that is out in front by several meters? Do they need a pace setter that is running in stride with some of your pre-identified leaders? Or are you pacing from behind, making sure that those that are falling back are being cared for, Hmm. that are provided with the resources that they can catch up again? We tossed it onto them. Um, What is it that you believe your culture needs right now? And we just use that idea of, of, of pacing, different ways of leading. And I believe that the moment and so the context and the culture determines how a leader leads to the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Let's summarize some effective questions that you can use with your team or your colleagues to recognize excellence in a meaningful way. What are some tips there? If you're a leader or you're a colleague and you want to recognize excellence and reward excellence amongst your team, what do you ask them and what might you do to achieve that? Some things that we've done is encourage teams to give value shout out. Mm-hmm. So I want to recognize this person who is demonstrating our team's value of X mm-hmm. by this, this, and this, and this. And all of a sudden their behavior is a lived out value. People feel recognized and it's saying it's a sending a message to everybody because oftentimes this is important you know, via a Slack channel channel or teams or in a a town hall or something, but it's, it's sending a message to everyone else. Hey, this is the bar of excellence and this is what this lived value means. So that's one of the, 
one of the things that we do. And we have seen leaders do this well because um, some of the, th- the leaders that I'm thinking of, it's an excellence and. I, th- I think from my experience, the best leaders never lose sight of what the excellence is, that 98, 99th percentile. That's excellent. And it's people that demonstrate their commitment to it. You know, people that were part of it, like what Linda's saying, they're demonstrating the value that gets us there. Mm -hmm. Um, Leaders, I find, often make the mistake of excellence being only the achievement of the goal. And what I'm asking leaders to do is it's the excellence and, and it's the momentum and it's the person that was really encouraging. And it was the person that kept track of the score. And it was the person that came and helped someone because that is all part of the excellence expression that we often overlook is that it takes so much to get to excellence. And so when we're working with clients like Linda is referring to, We'll ask individuals to give shout outs to people that are actually living out the values or, or living out whatever it is that they're pursuing so that the adoration comes from colleagues and not just the leader. And mm-hmm. as we all know, it, yes, it means a lot when um, an expression of excellence comes from a leader and arguably some research would back this up. It means even more when that adoration towards excellence comes from a peer. Yes. Yeah, it's more of that running with a pack idea, yep. right? Yep. Observing while you're in motion, observing while you're working on something together, yep. you're seeing the challenge, but not just achieving the objective. You're seeing how they did it, how they lived the values, how they walked the talk. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I love that. Well, we've given people a lot to think about. So thank <laughs> you so much to our listeners. Um I want to point them in the direction of more resources. And I think your website has some fantastic links. Um, You've got a blog, you've got all kinds of of worksheets and uh, opportunities for people to learn more. Is there anything you want to highlight here today? I think if you just go to our website, leadershipvisionconsulting.com, there's a resource tab, as you mentioned, and there's a plethora of things on there. We do have an online community something we launched in the last year. And what we try to do on there is, you know, we have our podcast, we have our blog, but we also have this space where people can then come and kick ideas around with like valued leaders and sort of add their two cents. And similar to what the four of us just did here, say, here's an idea from this podcast. What did you think about it? And kind of offer their way. So it's an extended, uh, a place to kind of extend the learning and, and grow and wrestle with these ideas together. Thank you. That's fantastic. Maybe for the last question, is there anything I didn't ask you today that you wanted to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Brian's like, how long do you have? (laughs) There's just so much. Uh, No, uh, because I did not come to the conversation thinking, when can I say this? (laughs) (laughs) That's why it was fun. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciated the 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 flow and the way that you hmm. ask questions i can hear your strength of learner and ideation yeah. and how mm-hmm. it uh you you did bring the generosity to the table and so um i i just appreciate this opportunity mm-hmm. to chat thank with you. you a bit yeah yeah thank you thank Likewise, you so much yeah. thank you for all the great questions and the preparation and yeah as yeah, linda no said <laughs> i was like as you've kind of dangled your strengths a little bit here and there i thought we could do a whole nother 
interview with her where she just talks about her strengths and we offer like feedback <laughs> yes. from our years of experience and and watch the ahas go off in your your brain as we got to see here a little bit so i would so thank adore you that opportunity yeah. so please yeah. keep in touch if, if there's time Wonderful. Um, i never got to go into depth with my clifton strengths hmm. um so i always am eager to learn more about that being the learner yeah <laughs> um, of course you are but uh, it's it's just been so fun having you on the podcast. And, th- and these are my favorite types of conversations where it just flows and you feel like you could talk forever and little sparks going off every other sentence and uh, just connecting the dots and being able to take away, even like I said, a personal insight today, which I wasn't expecting, but it's always a welcome gift. Um, so thank you so much for that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you again to Yana Stam and the Access Ideas podcast for not only uh, interviewing us and allowing us to be guests, but letting us uh, use this in our own on our own podcast and to edit it maybe a little bit differently and, and draw out some other other things. So thank you so much. And I just got to say again, it was a lot of fun and we're going to be doing more of this this year. So stay tuned for that. And thank you listeners for listening to the Leadership Vision podcast, our show helping you build positive team culture. Our consulting firm has been doing this for over 25 years so that leaders are mentally engaged and emotionally healthy. And if you found value from this episode or any of our other uh, online course materials, we would love it if you could give us a review in iTunes, on Spotify, on YouTube, follow us on social media, or honestly, just pass this on to someone that you think could benefit from growing deeper in their strengths, the strengths of their team, or the strengths of their entire organization. For more information about us, you can go to leadershipvisionconsulting.com. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter where we deliver all kinds of helpful information for leaders about growing uh, your own leadership skills and the skills of your team. I'm Nathan Freeberg, and on behalf of our entire team, thanks for listening.